Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. Uh, parents, uh, we're in a battle, uh, a battle for your kids' souls, and uh, the world is trying to take them every chance they get, trying to lure them away from the things of God, and uh, this series was all about equipping parents, helping parents that are in the middle of raising kids, uh, uh, parents that in the future you're going to be raising kids of your own. I think you'll reflect back and go back and say, you know, Pastor Kevin said something about this. I need to listen back and get that in me. Uh, or if you're a grandparent, this is a message just as much for you because many of you are grandparents and you're actually filling the void of parents for your, ch- for your grandchildren. You, your grandparents and the things that maybe grandparents, other grandparents could do, you don't get to do because you're actually raising these kids as if they were your actual kids. And so this is a very practical message and uh, I've enjoyed speaking about it, enjoyed putting it together and looking over it and, and, and allowing it to kind of speak out to you guys. It's given me lots of reflection on my own parenting skills and what I have done and what I've done right and what I've done wrong. And uh, I can't go back and change it all, but I can pray that God will help each one of us do better from this point on. So here's what we've done so far. Week number one, we talked about the parent's priority. What is the priority of a parent? I'm going to say not just a parent, of a teacher. Of a, of a leader in some way, if you're a leader in any way, in your shape or form, the whole goal of leadership in everything and anything you do is this. We are to teach and to train our kids or those following us to take their dependence from us, their trust from us, and transfer it to God. That's the whole goal. It's to release them to be dependent upon God for their future and not upon you. Because as a child, as a little baby, they depend on you for everything. They depend on you to eat, to sleep, to, to feed them, to, to give them drink, to change their diapers, to take care of them. They depend on everything. But as they grow, they become more and more independent. And this is the goal in spiritual life, to help them grow, to become independent from us and more dependent upon God. So that was week number one. It was the priority of a parent. Uh, the second week, we talked about the three principles of parenting, and here they were very quickly. A loving touch. Every parent and grandparent should have a pure, non-perverted, in any way, shape, or form, loving Jesus touch. Jesus said, let the little ones come to me and let them find affection with me. This is Jesus speaking. So uh, parents, we should have a loving touch. We should have, give them abundant time, invest in them, spend time with them and the things that they enjoy doing. And the last thing was encouraging talk. And what's interesting about encouraging talk, it wasn't just about, oh, aren't you so handsome and aren't you so beautiful and you're so smart. It's also encouraging talk is being truthful with them. Don't lie to them. Uh, whenever they're doing things that aren't inappropriate. Or if they come to you and say, hey, mommy, listen to me sing, and they can't sing, you help them out and say, listen, let's find something else for you to do. Maybe you're a piano player. Maybe you're a guitar player. No? Okay, how about basketball? You help them out. You know, that's the whole thing. We kind of in this society where it's kind of like we pump these people up all the time. We're like, you can do it. You can do everything. You can do anything. Can I just tell you, you can't. Can I be real with it? You can't do everything. I can't do everything. I'm not good at everything. I know you may think I am, and I would love to convince you that I am, but spend 24 hours with me, you know I'm not good at 
everything. I'm not good at many things I know nothing about. I'm very ignorant to them. Not in a stupid way, because stupid means you learn it, but you forgot it. Ignorant means you just don't know. And so parents, it's okay to tell our kids, because trust me, if you don't, someone else will. And it's better for you to help set them up for success than to let others tear them down with defeat. And all the parents in the house can say, yes, that's true. My kid can't sing, right? Okay, that's all right. That's why you go on American Idol and they say, who told you can sing? My mama told me you can sing. Your mama lied your entire life. You cannot sing. Leave the room now. Okay. Last week, I talked about probably, if I could encourage you to listen to any one of the messages, it's last week. I talked about discipline in a very godly way. I didn't use discipline in a, in a uh, we're going to abuse our kids. I was very, very balanced in what Scripture says on how we are to discipline our kids. And I talked about different kinds of parents and different kinds of way parents do things, and you may be one of them. You may not be one of them I speak about or spoke about. Um, but I said this. I gave three things. I said, parents, we must expect first time and cheerful obedience. First time. No counting. No, I'm going to count down from three, two. No, no. First time in cheerful obedience because that's what God expects from us. That's what we should expect from our kids. We have come to the society where we want to count everything down. So why don't things get done? They don't get done because people think they have all the time in the world because we count down. And this is not what God expects. God wants us to say first time in cheerful obedience. And all the parents in the house say, yeah, right, right? But that's what we're to expect, and that's what we're supposed to discipline as first time in cheerful obedience. Second thing is, never discipline in anger. Never be angry when you're disciplined. Cool down, take a breather, take a breath. Make sure you're disciplining however you choose to do it with groundings or with taking stuff away or with, uh, if it is corporal punishment, spankings or things like that, however you decide to do that, that's up to you. Just make sure you do it not in anger. And the last thing is this, and the most important thing, Always follow up with love. Always go back to them and reiterate what was the breach. What was it they did wrong? And explain to them, this is why this is wrong. This is why it's important for me to love you enough to help you find the, um, the guardrails in life. Okay, as parents, that's what we're called to do, uh, soon to be parents or grandparents. Today, I want to talk about a difficult subject uh, when it comes to parenting. Now, I, thought, I know some of you may say, well, wasn't discipline the difficult one? This one is more heartfelt uh, because today I want to talk about what do we do as parents when kids do what we don't want them to do. Now, you may say discipline. I'm not talking about correction. I'm talking about when kids go and leave the protection, the love of your home and and, and, and your uh, godly place that you have set up for them what do we do? Because let's face it, when we first hold our children, and I've been there so I can speak to this, I've been there twice, and when I first held both of my kids, I looked at both of them, I said, they're perfect, right? They're perfect little creatures. Look how perfect they are. They, they are beautiful, they're handsome, uh, they're, they're, when they're not crying, they're sweet, they're kind, uh, when they're not going to the bathroom, they, they smell good, you know, all this stuff. But in all in all, they're perfect. And most parents think their kids are absolutely perfect. You've met these people. They just think their kids are perfect. And I, I know a mom has never seen an ugly baby. I've seen a lot of ugly babies, but a mother 
has never seen an ugly baby. I mean, there's some of these babies, I'm sorry, some of your babies are ugly. I don't know what to tell you, but man, God help you. I mean, you know, they pull the blanket back and you look at them, oh my, yeah, oh, aren't they, aren't they sweet? That's all you can say, right? Uh, I mean, looks like Papa Smurf or E.T. or a gremlin after midnight. I don't know, but there's the baby. Uh, I, I got to tell you, though, a true story. This is an absolute true story. Uh, moms never really see an ugly baby until my mom saw me. It's true. My mom called my grandmother, my loving grandmother, and she called her up after I was born, holding me in her arms. And grandma said, how you feeling, honey? And she said, I'm doing good, but he's so ugly. Yeah. So thank you, mom. Love you. Anyway, kids, uh, babies, they grow up. They're not perfect. Uh, we know them because as they grow up, we see what happens. Here's what Romans chapter 3, verse 10 through 12 says this. It says, there is, how many? There is what? There is no one. How many? How many again? That means not even one. There's not even one righteous, not even one. All have turned away. There is no one who does good, not even one. So that perfect little child that you have at day one, breath one, guess what? We'll grow up and we'll find a way to crush your heart, to let you down. Oh no, not my baby. Oh no, yes, your baby, your perfect little child. We'll find a way that it will find hurt and find pain. Bow your heads with me today. Father, help us today that uh, you would just speak to us through this word as we learn how to navigate uh, the children in our life, uh, the grandchildren in our life, and the soon-to-be children in our life. Help us, God, to be able to, through prayer and through seeking you, help them grow and to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ as well. I pray that you speak to each and every heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The reality is when we have our little children and when they're held in our arms, we look at them, we think they're so sweet. We don't think about what their future really holds. We don't think about the good. We think about the good. I take it back. We do think about the good, but we don't think about the bad. We don't always take and think about the bad. Uh, we don't think about that, you know, they're going to grow up one day and have uh, piercings all over their body. Not saying that that's bad, but that could be something that may be bad. Uh, when they whistle, when they walk, because they have so many piercings in their body. Just a joke. Um, we don't think about them having, uh, being tattoos from head to toe, and you can't even see but eyeballs. We don't think about that, you know? We don't think about that. But even on a deeper note, we don't think about them becoming cat lovers. I mean, that's the most tragic thing ever could happen. <laughs> lovers of cats. Crazy. We didn't think about that. Um, we definitely don't think about them becoming alcoholics. We don't think about our kids becoming drug addicts. We don't think about... Uh, when we hold our kid and, and, and at first time we look at them, we, we kiss all over the face, we don't think about, we don't hold them up and say, oh, one day I'm going to take you, I'm going to pick you up from rehab, right? We don't think about that. We don't think about that one day uh, I'm going to have to bail you out of jail because you robbed something or you raped somebody or you killed somebody. We don't think about that, but every one of us who have kids, have had kids and are going to have kids, that's the sad reality, that kids, as they grow up, as we try to train them the best that we can, we do everything we can, we, we put the best in them that we can, the fact is they're going to make their own decisions one day apart from mom and dad, and some of those decisions are going to be downright painful. They're going to cut deep. 
And today as I preach, I'm preaching to people of all, all different phases of life. I'm speaking to some of you that your kids are those kids. They are out there. They are in the world. They are involved in drugs. They are, they are far away from God. They're far away from you. You have done everything you can to try to bring them back, but everything you've tried has failed, and they are out there. Others of you today, you are, you are the one. You are the prodigal. You are the one that is far away from God. And God brought you here to tell you some of this amazing news I'm going to tell you in a little bit. All of us, though, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And by the grace of God, we are saved. And we have been given hope in Christ Jesus. No matter what happens, we can set up our kids for the best success. We can take them to the best schools. We can send them to the best universities. We can, we can instill in them. We can discipline them. We can do all the things I've talked about over these weeks, and yet they still will wind up somewhere, possibly in a very, very bad place. So I want to give you a biblical example of, of a character that exactly was this, Samson, Old Testament Samson. If you know anything about Samson, Samson, you know, is a very strong guy. You know, he, he could do amazing things. And uh, his power or his glory was to be in his hair. It wasn't really in his hair. It was more about obedience. It was more about his obedience or disobedience to God. Samson, let me tell you a little bit about Samson before we get into what he didn't do. Let's talk about who he was. Samson in the Old Testament was one of six people, one of six that the Bible said that he was touched by God. One of six. Only six people in the Bible was ever said that they were touched by God, and Samson was one of them. He was one of three, one of three in the Bible, Jesus included, that his birth was announced to the city. One of three. He was one of two that the Bible says he was called by God. Samson had great parents. Samson came from a great home. He came from a, a Levitical home, a Levite home, where he learned the Levitical law. He learned how to live righteously. He learned how to do right things. He had all the things set up for success. But Samson thought he knew better. So Samson made decisions. Samson decided to live his life away from his family, away from his, his, uh, his parents' upbringing, and he did his own decisions. He, he partied, he, he womanized, he, he was a drunk, he did all the things that as parents we go, I hope our kids don't do, Samson definitely did. And at the end of his life, when Samson had done all that he had done, at the end of his life, he was bald, he was blind, and he was bewildered because he lost everything. And here he stood up shackled between two pillars in the palace. And he had one final request. God, if you will, grant me the strength to place judgment on these people. And God did for one final time, and he lost his life. I want to talk to you today about the prodigals. What are prodigals? Prodigals are people who walk away from God, people who leave the safety and security of God's God's house, God's place. And I want you to understand that God, parents, grandparents, soon-to-be parents, remember this, God understands parental pain. I want to say it again. God understands parental pain. Whether you have been through it, or you're going through it, or you will go through it, I want you to understand that God sees 
and God understands the pain you're going through. You don't believe me? Here's what Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2 through 3 says this. God's speaking about Israel, his children. Those were his children. Here's what he says. I reared children and brought them up. But what do they do? But they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, but Israel does not know. My people, what? They do not understand. Here's God Almighty, a perfect father, a perfect flawless father, and yet he's looking down at the children he blessed, the children he loved, the children he took care of, and they even walked away and rebelled against God. How can this be? How can it be that people that are favored by God so much, they still chose to walk their way? God creates a perfect place known as the Garden of Eden. He puts a, pl- a man and a woman in there known as Adam and Eve. And he says, listen, everything is yours. Enjoy everything there is. You get to frolic. You get to run. You don't have to work. Enjoy the beauty I've created for you. But just don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Just one tree. Don't eat from it. And this is how it all began. They thought they knew better. They thought they knew it all. So what they do? They ate. They were expelled. The discipline came in. They were expelled from the garden. The man was told, you will have to work the ground and hard in order to eat and provide. To the woman, she said, you're going to have children, but the childbearing pain is going to be worse. I, can't, I always thought about that. I imagine that before that, it was just like, achoo, and it was done. Anyway. God disciplined Adam and Eve. God, through the book of Judges, and and, and Samson was a judge for God. God, through the book of Judges, disciplines his people. It didn't work. Uh, God turned around, and when Solomon was in reign, he loved on his people. He lavished them with good things. It didn't work. They always rebelled. They always turned against God. And so many of us today, that's exactly what's wrong. We all tend to kind of rebel against God. We don't understand why our kids do, but... We do. We don't understand why our kids rebel, but we do it all the time. And so we need to understand that there is a prodigal inside of all of us. All of us are rebellious. All of us think we know better. All of us want to figure things out without God's assistance. Because why? If I give him authority in my life, I have to listen to him. And I want to listen to him because I want to do what I want to do. Right? Am I the only one in here today preaching? I am the only one preaching. I'm the only one testifying. That's true. I want to do what I want to do. God, don't tell me what to do. I'm horrible at that. I, I, I love pickleball, but I hate the rules, right? <laughs> I want to be able just to hit it wherever and it count for me. Out for them, count for me, right? But there's rules. So I want to read to you Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 13, talking about the prodigal son. The prodigal son, uh, Jesus told this parable of the prodigal son. Now, we don't know if this story is true. We know that we can relate to the story. We know that Jesus told the story to teach a lesson. What is the lesson he wanted to teach us? Here it is. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 13. It says, there was a man who had two sons. Uh, The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided. So the father divided the property between them. Uh, Not long after that, the younger son got all the things together and set off for a distant country. 
So he leaves the father's protective house. He leaves the father's uh, directive and what he's doing because I got three things for you. Write these down in your notes about prodigals, about rebellious kids. Three things that maybe you see in yourself or you see in your kids. First thing is prodigals generally have this increasingly self-centeredness. Typically, children who rebel, it's because they're self-centered about themselves. It's all about me. It's all about I. It's all about what? Number one, oh me, oh my. Country singer, you know what I'm talking about, country music. It's all about that. Uh, The second thing is this. Prodigals think they know it all. They think they have all the answers to everything. You know, my dad, when I was four, he was a smart guy. When I was six, my dad could beat every other dad up. When my dad was, when I was eight years old, my dad, he was okay. I mean, he kind of knew some stuff. When I turned 12, my dad was becoming dumber and dumber every day, right? When I was 16, he was stupid as a box of rocks. He didn't know what was going on. I knew more than he did, right? When I turned 21, I thought, my dad, I can do life without my dad. When I turned 25, I realized, well, my dad ain't so out there, right? When I turned 30, my dad started becoming my best friend. And I started trusting him more. Some people even go on further, and when they turn 50, they say, I wish I could talk to my dad today because he was so, he was so wise. There's this attitude we have when we're self-centered that we think we know it all. The last thing is they have, prodigals have this immediate self-gratification. They want to be satisfied right here, right now. Give it to me now. Microwave generation right now. This is the challenge in it. Uh, it's like the boy that came to the father and said, Dad, I'm 16. Get me a car. The boy had long hair down his shoulders, and Dad said, I'm not getting you a car till you get your hair cut. He said, come on, Dad. I can, I can have long hair. Jesus had long hair. I can have long hair. And Dad said, you're right. Jesus did have long hair, and Jesus walked everywhere he went. The father gives the son the inheritance. The son goes out, he parties, he celebrates, he drinks, he, he, he uh, womanizes, he lives a life immoral, he lives a life so far out of what he was raised in until one day he wakes up, he's in a gutter, and he looks at what pigs are eating, and he says, maybe I'll eat what they have. And he eats what they have, the slop, the leftover, the, the trash that's left over. He eats because he's at such a bottomless place. He was, bust, he was broken, busted, and disgusted with his own life because he had come so far, and he found himself so far from his father. And no one understands the pain of a parent then when you watch your kids go through stupid decisions they make, right, parents? Come on. Your kids, when they think they know it all, when they're trying to satisfy their selfish gratification, whenever they they think that they're the center of the world, it's so hard to watch them go through those times. And parents, today you may be there and you may have that child. You may have that child far off and you may be asking yourself, where did I go wrong? What did I do? How did I mess this up? Whether you have one child, two children, or 20, it doesn't matter. We all feel the weight of missing it. 
because we wonder what happened to our kids. And parents, I want to just encourage you today, it's not all your fault. You say, well, that's not very comforting. You need to say, it's not any of my fault. No, I can't say that. I'm not going to say it because I wouldn't say it for me. It's not all my fault. I am to blame at some point for something. However, through the forgiveness and the grace of God, I still love my kids and try to help them navigate the challenges of life. I could have done things different. Absolutely. I could have done things differently. Do I regret some decisions that I made as a parent? Absolutely. I am not perfect, just like you're not perfect. Were there times I lost my cool? Yes. Were there times that, that I said things that I shouldn't? Absolutely. Just like every single one of us in this room, none of us are perfect. But the challenge as a parent is that we need to say, you know what, though? I held the line. This is where we're going to stand and I will not allow you to change that line no matter what. We will be a Christ-centered family. We will live Jesus in our home as well as in our community. We will live Jesus, we will talk like Jesus in our home, just like in our community. We will, if you can't say it in church, it shouldn't be said in your home. And all the people say, oh me, oh my, right? If you can't discuss it in church, it shouldn't be discussed in your home. This is the reality that parents, we must own up to. There are things we've done wrong. We ask God to forgive us, and we ask God to help us be better parents, better grandparents, better future parents, whatever the case may be. So I want to give you three thoughts before you leave here today. Here's three thoughts that I want to give you before you leave of what you can do if you are a parent or you are a grandparent and you have a child that's kind of gone their own way, kind of done their own thing, uh, and what can you do? Here they are. Number one, unwavering prayer. Pray. You have to pray. You have to pray for your kids. You have to pray. You have to ask God to help. Here's what Colossians 1, 9, and 10 says. It says, uh, we have not stopped, Paul's writing, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you. And as we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. So parents, we never stop praying for our kids. And when I talk about this prayer, I'm not talking about the polite little God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food prayer. I'm not talking about now I lay me down to sleep or pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake, which is a creepy little line in the whole thing. If I should die before I'm awake, I'm like, seriously, why are we praying this? I pray the Lord my soul to take. Not that kind of prayer, not a rehearsed prayer. When I say prayer, parents, I want to in, 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 in encourage you to pray fervently to pray exhaustedly, to pray with aggression, asking God to protect your babies. Be like when I walked in on my uh, grandmother one night in her bedroom, kneeling by her bed, crying out to God with tears rolling down her face for her children and her grandchildren. My father, who I heard through the air vents, crying out to God, God, protect my babies. Watch over them. Provide for them. This is the prayer. It's not this simple little, no, no, no. We're going to pray, right? We're going to pray for good friends, and we're going to pray the bad friends away, right? Make them hideously ugly, like the hunchback of Notre Dame. They don't want to be around them. That sounds horrible, but pray them. Pray them out of their life, parents. If you got somebody that you don't want to be around, pray them out of their life. Because that's the protect your babies. Uh, 
Pray they get caught when they're guilty. Hello? I talked last week about lifeguard parents, these parents that swoop in and save their kids. The world we have today as a result of lifeguard people that think our kids don't do wrong. They are sinful creatures like you and me. They do wrong. That's right, Pastor Kevin. Preach it, preach it, preach it. My kid's evil. Hey, when they smile at you and they're up, they're up to something all the time. I was one of them. I was like, I was doing something over here, right? You pray they get caught and you allow them to be disciplined correctly. Don't rescue them. Let them go. Then finally, the last prayer is you pray, and it's the scariest prayer, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, change my child. Whatever it takes, God, I want you to get my child and bring them. Because the most important thing we have, parents, is that we create these children and that they get to spend eternity in heaven with him. That's the most important thing, that we have birthed into this world eternal beings that will last forever, and I don't want them to go to hell. say, wow, getting passionate. I don't want your kids to go to hell. You are you are the greatest tool that God's going to use to protect them from that life of eternal punishment. So you pray. You pray for good friends. You pray that they would, if they're guilty of something, they get caught and God do whatever it takes. The second thing is this, not only unwavering prayer, but unending patience. Unending patience is what we're going to give. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become in weary and well-doing for in due season we will reap a harvest of righteousness. If we do not give up, if we do not fail, if we do not falter, don't give up. The prodigal, the, the father saw the prodigal leave, saw him leave his house, go and do his own thing, didn't look, didn't know where he was at. But the Bible says in Galatians 15, 20, read along with me, it says this, it says, but while the son was still long way off, his father saw him. His father saw him a long way off. You know why? Because every day, I believe that father was looking. Every day, that dad was saying, maybe today, maybe he'll come home today. Maybe today he'll come to his sins and he knows he can come home to the father's house. So come home. So he saw him a long way off and he ran to him and he loved on him and he showed him what it was all about. Parents, never give up. Never give up on your kids. Listen, some of you today, have kids on drugs, have kids that are living in shanties, if not homeless. Some of you today have parents, are parents of children that have fallen, have gone so far from God. I'm here to tell you they are not too far, that God cannot bring them home. They are not too far that God does not see them. And all you can do is pray. And all you can do is when you see them come, you get excited because you know that they are coming home to patience, to love, and to acceptance. We pray, pray, pray. We wait, wait, wait. And finally, number three, we give unconditional, unconditional, unconditional love. Verse 20, it says, his father saw him, he filled with joy, filled with compassion, and he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around them, and he kissed them, and he loved them, and he says, on to say, I won't go into all details, it said, all right, my son's home, kill Bessie, the cow, we're having steak tonight, put a, a robe over his filthy, stinky body, because he is covered 
with my love. Put a ring on his finger which showed his authority in the house. He didn't have to earn it back. It was given to him immediately with love of the Father. And he says these words. He says, because my son was blind, but now he sees. He was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he lives. This is the unconditional love of God the Father. When God looked down at Israel, when God looks down at us, he sees people who have wandered away from him. We have all done it. We've gone our own way. We've done our own stuff. We've lived our own way, and yet God's love shines down. Whether it's God's love to Israel or God's love to us, I'm here to tell you his unconditional love will wrap around you. It will bring you in and you will find rest in him. Isaiah chapter uh, 30 verse 18 says this, but the Lord still waits. But the Lord still waits for you to come to him. So he so he can show you his love and compassion. I'll say that again. The Lord waits for you to come to him. He doesn't ask you to do anything, just to come. He don't ask you to fix anything. Some, some people say, well, I can't really come to God because I have this going on, I have this. No, no, no. God doesn't say, come to me when you get everything figured out and you fix everything. Come to me then. No, no. He says, come to me. When you come to me, guess what? I'm going to show you love. I'm going to show you compassion. And I'm going to treat you with this unconditional love like you've never known. Because the Lord is faithful. He's a faithful God. He sees where you're at. He knows the struggles of your life. Bow your heads to me today. Father God, today as we are in this place, as we hear this truth today, God, I am moved. I am moved because, Lord, I'm the prodigal. I'm the wayward child. I'm the son that thought I knew best. I'm the son that thought I deserved something that I never even imagined. I'm him. And God, I know that in this place, I'm not alone. There are those in this place, God, first off, there are those parents in this place, their kids are far from you, God. There are those in this place today that parents, moms, hearts are broken. Fathers, tears have fallen down their face. They have cried out. They have trusted. And yet, God, nothing has happened. God, you brought them here today. You brought them here today to let them know that you understand their pain. You understand their heartbreak. God, you're here and you love them and you want them to know, don't give up. Never stop praying. Never stop believing. Never stop. Not, don't ever stop uh, being patient. And when the time comes, show that unconditional, amazing love that only comes from you. Others of 
those here today, God, they are the prodigal. God, there's some here today that are far from you. There's some here today, God, that are missing out on your love and compassion. There's some here today, God, I believe that you brought them here today to let them know you love them. You love them. That's you here today. I just want you to know God loves you. God knows your struggle. God understands the pain you're going through. God understands the turmoil that you, your mind is under. God understands the, the journey you're in the middle of. God sees you and God brought you here today to let you hear these words. I know, I understand, and I still wait for you to come to me. Some of you, you've come to church week after week after week yet you feel so, so far from God. I'm here to tell you, God loves you. God sees you. And we're going to sing this song. And now I'm going to come back and I want to pray with you because I believe today there are many of you, there are homes that I want to pray for. I want to spend some time and pray for. I want to pray for homes. I want to pray for people. I want to pray for people that have gone astray. God wants you to know his reckless love is coming for you. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. And oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the night, the night. And I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Was your foe. When I was your foe, still you love out for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. Been so so, cause you have been so so kind to me. Let's sing it out. 
ministry of Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. For more information about service times and activities, visit our website, crossviewkeokuk.com.